0: Welcome everyone to the latest edition of the TMG Podcast. This is Chris Dufresne. We are coming to you live from a hotel, fancy hotel suite in Atlanta, Georgia, home of Tony Barnhart. We are in, uh, not in his suite, we're in his town, uh, but boy do we have a crowded house. We have all four TMG members, the TMG, uh, what would we call Sheila? Commander-in-Chief. Commander-in-Chief, <laughs> yeah, well. CEO. CEO. Herb Gould, Tony Barnhart, Mark Blauchin uh, it took a uh, late uh, trip last night, barely got in Polar from Boston, Express, yeah. but we are here for the national championship game or the SEC conference title game, which uh, these two teams did not play in, but now they're, they're having it now. For, uh, for the whole, inshallah. Well, we just
1: called it the SEC invitation.
0: Yeah, the Invitational, <laughs> and we'll get into that in a, in a bit. But we are uh, most happy to ha- be joined today by Malcolm Moran.
2: A former colleague.
0: A former colleague, friend of the program, as we call him. Yeah, and uh, subscriber. And a subscriber, most important of all. Mm-hmm. He is a subscri- subscriber to TMG. But uh, Malcolm is now, uh, he's left the, uh, uh, he went over to, not, we used to call it the dark, dark side when you leave. Journalism for anything else now it's we call a, a parachute I think, <laughs> but Malcolm, uh, first we must note that he is a Fordham Ram, um, and uh, and and we had, and Tmg's uh, son. One of my my sons was a Fordham Ram so. We have that connection. So we are very familiar with Arthur Avenue.
3: My experience was slightly more cost effective. <laughs> uh, I, I hate to break it to you now, but now, now that the bills are paid, it probably doesn't have quite so much.
0: And we, you know, we could go over Malcolm's uh, credentials, but it would take... Uh, we only have... What's the battery on this phone? <laughs> I think we can do it. Uh, Fordham grad. Then New York... You must have... Did you start at the New York Times? No,
3: I I was at Newsday oh, and capacities that included uh, getting coffee, black, no sugar, which sure. is how I decided you know. I was not going to be a copy editor because they all drank coffee, black, no sugar, and I realized my stomach okay. would not be able to handle that. And my then eventually was full-time there covering Queens High Schools In in kind of a golden basketball era for... New York City and Long Island. Wow. And
0: then known, uh, probably, uh, you're probably best known for having worked at the paper of record, uh, at least in in Manhattan, uh, the New York Times for 19 years. 19
3: years from 79 to 98. It's hard to believe that in September of 79, I was sitting on a couch in the office of one Paul Bryant And Mm. made the discovery that when you sat on the couch, you just kept going (laughs) Until you're looking up over the edge of the desk And it was like the Wizard of Oz having a southern accent (laughs) And and I remember thinking, if I was an 18 year old and I had been called here because I messed up I would be peeing in my pants Mm -hmm. right now Wow. So, and, and, and he was gracious, because it was a bye week early in the season. Yeah. He was gracious, he was volunteering stories, and I made the discovery that I could not understand 90% of what he was saying. Oh, wow. But yeah. the, the, oh, way, the yeah. only thing that I did that rescued myself is at the very end of it, I was in his office for 45 minutes. And and I it was one of those sweats where you can feel the perspiration forming on your skin like one of those mm. panic sweats, mm. and at the very end I thanked him for being jo- so generous with his time, and I said by the way you know sometimes when you get home editors have questions, I mean would it be okay if I give you a call if they wanted to clarify something? He said oh sure yeah, just give me a call whenever you need to, and I called back a day later. And asked all the same questions, but when he spoke on the phone, it was crystal clear. <laughs> I mean, you could understand him perfectly on the phone. That's so, the, And one of the things he said was, I'll coach and, until I die, until they fire me, or until I die. Which and almost, uh, three, wow. three plus years later, yeah. that's essentially what happened. Co- Did you coaching? tape record his? No, and I don't know why play. I didn't. I've been kicking myself we, ever since.
0: Yeah, that, that, I mean, this is one of the many great stories that you have. And we, we won't have time to get into all your great stories, but I was just thinking of it, the people sitting in this room have worked for the Los Angeles Times, Boston Globe, Atlanta Journal, Constitution, Chicago Sun-Times, but you worked for the New York Times. Mm-hmm. and I mean, I think we, even <coughs> those of us that work for big-time mm-hmm. newspapers, what was it like working for the New York Times at the time you worked for the New York Times, and what kind of cachet not only front row seats literally did you get for events but what kind of cachet did that hold uh, and you have any stories about that just
3: well the first thing I learned is when I was at Newsday we always assumed that when we weren't getting phone calls back they were calling people from the times (laughs) but when then then when I got to the times I learned they weren't calling me either so they didn't I mean sometimes they did but at the beginning, it was terrifying because the only reason I was there was because Leanne Schreiber, who had just been hired as sports editor, who she was only 34, maybe 33. She was the first female sports editor of the Metropolitan Daily in America. I remember she used to spend maybe a quarter of a third to her time doing interviews, And so her mandate was to bring in young, moldable people to change the way the Times was covering sports. And so about all I had going for me was that I was moldable. I should have put it on a business card. (laughs) So it, it was a very uncomfortable position because the mandate from the boss and beyond was we want to do things differently and we want to tell stories and develop lengthy thoughtful stories but you had copy editors that had been there doing a certain doing things for a certain way forever who were resisting wow. and so I was kind of caught in the middle and and I remember a, a friend of mine uh, who was answering phones there at the time telling me one day you know that copy editors really don't like you and I said oh well, why I mean i you know I've done my best to help them out, and they said, no, you don't understand. They don't like you because they can't cut your stories from the bottom. <laughs> they have to read the yeah. stories, and when you're trying to catch the 1220 to Port Washington, this slows up uh, the work. So, I mean, it 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 was pretty scary at the start, but but over time, the section did evolve the way that the bosses wanted to, mm-hmm. and it became a... A far more literate, interesting section. Right.
0: Um, Before I continue, my producer just handed me a note, and I was remiss in not mentioning our our sponsor uh, for the podcast, APBA. Now, I don't know if Malcolm. I don't know if you. This is I'm cold calling you on this, but I don't know if you played this game when you were a kid. I did. I know Mark. I was not a fanatic, but 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 I had friends
3: that were. And now I'll ask you, who has the greatest all time APBA card. Wow! Who's on the who? I, I don't know. That's a good. Question. I mean, it's got to be somebody. Somebody, yeah.
2: I mean, without question. I mean. I mean, I don't. I don't
3: remember how far back 51, it goes. They would, they well, then I'm 50. thinking Mantle 56 That's, has got to be. Yeah, Maris 61. Yeah. Well, but he hit 270. Yeah, I think still, there are vintage editions, yeah. You know, so. No, a, APBA was big time.
4: Well, they are they're they're,
0: they're sponsoring our 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 podcast and 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 uh, we're supposed to have the uh, what's what's John's title? Um,
4: John he, is the
0: uh, CEO. CEO. Yeah, yeah. We're, he's Atlanta based, and so we're hoping to have him on the podcast tomorrow. But I know he is uh, sending Mark. I hope. Yeah. Uh, the, no, new, do, the new set do of do guests uh, get
3: a complimentary uh, game?
0: Is I think what, I think you get a keychain. Tmg yeah, keychain key yeah. mug. <laughs> well, a mug or a hat, um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, let's uh, we'll get, we get, we This is your life, Malcolm Moran. You moved on to the from New York Times to the Tribune, and we'll skim over that very quickly because we all know how that went. He went from uh, the New York
4: yeah, but, Times to the world's greatest newspaper.
0: Oh yeah, well, the, the, all the news that fit the print to the uh, to the world's greatest McCormick, newspaper uh, family that uh, that they, ended up buying the, my paper. So. Uh, anyway, then then spent nearly six years at USA Today, which I'm sure was a much more enjoyable experience. It, it was um, a very enjoyable the, experience. The multicolored fish wrap, as it, it's been call, called by some, but uh, we all uh, we all relied on USA Today for many reasons and still do. I do. Uh, but then Malcolm moved out of the realm of sports writing, took the big leap over to academia, and he's now Professor Malcolm Moran, first at Penn State, which. Uh and and, and you kinda of have a similar position at Penn State that, that you yeah. now have. Uh which is uh, we've all we've never figured out exactly what you do, but uh, uh <laughs> even when it was even right. Even I, when it's, it was it's really funny dirty, because
3: my students say roughly the same thing. Uh,
0: I, I think what basically what you're training and molding, much as you were molded by the New York Times all those years ago, that's kinda of what you're doing for young journalism, aspiring is, journalism it's true. students. And and now you are you moved on from Penn State. Uh, we can we can wheel back to that uh, a little bit. But now you are, and this takes uh, as an hour just to say what you do now, the director of the sports capital journalism program. Correct. at IUPUI
3: in Indianapolis. Yes, and uh, the home of the Jaguars, a proud Horizon oh, okay. League member.
0: Very very nice. But uh, we still see Malcolm at all the big events because. Malcolm brings his students to you know, uh, all the major collegiate events in Final Four and the championship game right. and and he was at the Rose Bowl last week, and he had two students there that and he basically puts them under fire and and, and goes through the uh, the motions and the drills of how to cover a game, how to interview people, write a story on deadline um, and then you have two new. Uh, uh, not new. I'm sure they've been around. Here. Two different so, yeah, students not, here. Yeah, new, yep. Two different students here, and uh, do we get that
3: sort of correct of what you're doing? And how has that experience been for you? It's it's great fun because I get to see events like this through the eyes of people that have never done it before. And when they usually, when they first arrive, they're like we all were when we first did it, where. You have to fight that urge to become a little wide-eyed. But then you realize, I got work to do. And you do what you need to do, which is focus in and do one thing at a time. And the real payoff is that when they get to the end of the experience, they know I can do this. And I don't have to tell them that because they've done it. And and admit it, it really is great fun. Our most kids,
0: we are in a we we are kind of the of a generation. I, we you know we like to call them the glory days of of, of print and newspapers. And maybe the tail end of it. Our kid Why should kids be optimistic about going into this profession now? I mean, I've uh, we all kind of speak at different uh, events, and I I've spoken and I have a hard time mustering enthusiasm or positivity about the business because it's a different business than the one we were in, and I guess. I have to separate myself from that, but are, are, how do you lay it out for these kids about what's going? Well, well, first of
3: all, when when anybody comes to speak to students at my place, uh, you know, they'll usually ask, "Well, what do you want me to tell them?" And my answer is the unvarnished truth, because if they listen to you and they decide I'm going to run to the business school like my hair's on fire, well, that's okay. I mean, I if you're going to want to get into this business. My job is to make sure your eyes are wide open, and that you know what to expect, and that you understand the importance of crossing platforms, telling stories in different ways as much as you can. And, and I think what's been happening is that students don't look at 50-somethings being pushed into buyouts. Students look at things like, for instance, when I started at Penn State, the Big Ten Network was this concept on a drawing board that we would get emails about that's that's out there on the horizon. Now, it was less than a year away, but when you're trying to grade papers and get through the day, 11 months away is like forever. Well, it didn't exist. And so I think students are looking at things like BTN, all the conference-sponsored networks, regional sports networks. I mean, even after all the cutbacks at ESPN.com, if you compare the current product to what it was 20 years ago, I mean, 20 years ago, it was wire service copy and a couple of staffers writing things once in a while. I mean, they're still even, you know, and I was as pained by the the reports of a lot of those cuts as all of you were, because there were friends of ours that were affected, but but when you look at the overall product, it's still way ahead of what it was, and so you know, th- there have been seismic changes, but there are still opportunities, and th- I think that's what students are looking at. Yeah, and, and I think that's what a lot
0: of us, uh, you know, preach to to kids. But my one of my questions is: Is there any? What's the future of objective? Journalism, because a lot of these things you're talking about are coming from streams that are affiliated with conferences, or teams, or networks. And if you work for the big, if you're a journalist for the Big Ten Network, are you a journalist? I mean, that, this is
3: kind of one of the que- questions. And w- well, I mean, and, and that's a really good example because, and and this was acknowledged when when BTN did that recent decade, uh, year by year series of of programs about, uh, you know, their history on the air, and they acknowledged that they took some valid hits over their Sandusky coverage because, like everybody else that covered it, and some of you were there that week, there was no instruction manual. And their problem was, when the bosses are running the universities, can you be truly independent? Now, I mean, to me, the... The model of, of the, the team or organizational website is when Sam Smith took the buyout from the Tribune and Bulls.com hired him, they were smart enough to realize if the perception of the readership is that Sam is being muzzled, they're not going to read it. Hmm. They'll recognize it. They know the product. They're not going to read it. And so if you read Sam Smith on Bulls.com, it's pretty much the same Sam as it was when he was covering them either as a beat writer or then as an NBA writer for the Trib. to me that's the model if you want to have I mean if you want to have any kind of credibility with your audience I mean there's one guy that I know and it was a private conversation so I shouldn't say his I'll name go ahead. but he was No, I don't want to get him in trouble it's between us he is he is a former employee of a football organization who was told mm. that he was not allowed to write about the quarterback and he was not allowed to write about injuries mm-hmm. and my thought was how do you cover professional football if you can't write about the quarterback and you can't write about injuries so it's still it's a it's it's a serious marketing problem from on the business side. I mean, if you're going to read about Deflategate, and I say this as a resident of the greater Indianapolis area, are you going to read the Boston Globe or are you going to read Patriots.com if you're going to read about Deflategate? Where are you going to get information that you can count on? So, I mean, I think it's still an extended transition period. I mean, I walked into the NFL Combine a couple of years ago and you see a guy wearing and a Steelers he jacket. He's Forrest Gump.
2: Yeah. Forrest Gump. Every, every event he shows up. <laughs> Take a picture. There's Malcolm. Where is he? Well, I could walk to that. Pro Bowl? We
3: can walk. World no, no. Did you the World Series? No, no. Not no. you can go to the World Series this year? No. Did you go last year? Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Super but So you walk, wait a minute, okay, let me just f- finish my point. You walk into the NFL Combine, and there are people in a press room with team gear. Because they are working for the teams. Mm-hmm. You no, know, When I covered the Giants, like you never like there were some people that might be more in the pocket of the organization than others, but they weren't wearing windbreakers that said giants on mm-hmm. it.
0: Yeah, but what, what makes college, I think, even more unique than the other sports, and Tony can speak to this a little bit. What happens when your school gets to the national title game? I mean, you don't have to worry about it with Fordham. You don't have to worry about I mean, not a problem in 1935. No. Maybe my school uh, was is, doesn't play football. Cal State Fullerton, Jersey Guys' school. You know Miami was right in until the end. And and her play, went to two schools that were had great seasons. Wisconsin and Northwestern in the Big Ten. But Tony, your team not, not only not only no, your school is in the <laughs> national title game, and you are a a graduate. You're also a journalist. What oh, always one of your your book titles? Uh Always a Bulldog. <laughs> yeah, okay. What it means to be a bulldog? Yeah, okay. What but it means to be a bulldog. In relation to what Malcolm is is preaching to to kids, uh how do you how do you separate these or do you it, have to?
1: It's never been a problem. Of course, when I was working for the Atlanta General Constitution, I always said my loyalty is to the people who signed my paycheck. Okay. Right. And that was proven over the years. We had a a story in the '80s of uh, Georgia being involved in academic fraud from a professor or a medial English professor by the name of Jan Kemp, and that oh, yeah. that, that was a, a big story at the time that I was uh, involved in. And was Jim uh,
0: Eric involved in that story? No, that would come no, later. No. That, <laughs> that, that would come funny. later.
1: But you know, it's it's. Oops! It's, is that you? <laughs> the, the the issue the issue is the issue is you don't have any trouble being a journalist and doing your job when your alma mater's involved, but sometimes the the Public who consumes our product—that's not what they're looking for, and that—that that can be an issue. But you just have to, uh, as they to paraphrase, you have to hunker down and do do what, your job. What tell about you.
0: what about your buddy your, your your frat buddies and all? I mean, have they ever gotten on you for for oh yeah, you've written Absolutely. About so, what, why are you so what? negative? And I
1: said, no, I'm, I'm not being negative. I'm just reporting what I see.
2: Tell, Tony tell them who are you talking to next week? What what were you speaking to your
1: group is next? Week? Uh, today is. Uh, Saturday, the championship game is Monday, uh, a week from this Ju- uh, Jan- January seventeenth, a week from right. next Tuesday. I am speaking to the Red Elephant Club in Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Last year, I did I did the same thing, and of course they lost the game to Clemson, and uh, I went to Tuscaloosa and talked to a few people. I talked to a a, pres- a female Presbyterian minister, who said she had to do some hard preaching after that game. <laughs> Uh, Because the people were really down, and so but uh, by then that week had passed and they'd just about gotten over it. And I was telling these guys I met uh, at the at the at the reception. I met an Alabama fan, and I said to him, "Remember, Alabama was one second away from winning another national championship." I said, "You guys," I said, "You guys had quite a season." And the guy said, "Yeah, but we got to get over it and get ready for next year." (laughs) Are you going to be able to
2: sell that message next week if Georgia wins?
1: Oh, oh, Mr. Bulldog! Mean, oh, that will be that will be tough. they these are good folks. They'll take they'll take it in stride. But yeah, it'll it'll be hard losing.
0: Her, uh, Herbie, Gould, Herb. If you had to speak at Malcolm's class, and, and he said you you uh, were an undergrad at uh, Wisconsin, and at, and got your uh, masters at Northwestern. is yes. that right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you handle the success of your schools? If you had to tell uh, speak to Malcolm's class about. Uh, you know your role as a journalist and as a as an uh, alum or a, a fan of of the of your school. What how do you walk that line? Well,
4: you know, along the lines of what Tony said, I I always describe it as I root for the story. You right. know, uh, I don't you know, and rooting for a team when there's you know an, an alumni affiliation, you know, it, it becomes a little more blurred when you're doing what we're doing on this blog mm. because we're not really reporters; we're more columnists and and um commentators right. so it's easier to do it from that level and then you just l- label it as such but when I'm covering it and and if I'm talking to students if you're covering a team you better not do that because as as some of the guys have mentioned here if you you know our our most important thing is our credibility and and if you call your credibility into question mm-hmm. Then you've got you know you you've got a big problem, and even if it is your alma mater, so you really don't want to go in that direction. Uh, it depends on it depends on the scenario and the the forum you have. If you're doing a blog where you identify it, and then I would also hope that you know, and I think that we all in this room on the blog try to do it in a, a humorous and entertaining way. We don't you know we don't like get we don't we're not pure fans. I mean. Tony wants the Bulldogs to win, but he's not above, you know, saying, you know, they didn't do it right. You know, you're gonna still be, you know, you can be a fan and you can still be critical, right. and you just put that stuff out there. You don't, you don't try and sort of, you know, mask it. I guess is the it, key it, thing. it
0: just gets so. And Malcolm, maybe you can address this because it gets back to what you're doing. The problem with college football, mostly college football, college basketball, is that everybody went to school somewhere, including your boss. Yeah, I worked for Bill Dwyer, Notre Dame. There was no question he was a Notre Dame fan, and 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 he hated. I mean, he if you got him, he hates that USC horse. He's you know <laughs> no, but but this, these are the you know so. But these, I don't care where you went to
3: school. How can you hate? He traveler? never
0: told me how to cover Notre Dame, but I always knew where he went to school. You know, and I was a college football writer. Then he leaves, and I get. I got a guy. I got Randy Harvey, Texas. Oh, now, now I've got to think about Texas, in at least in the back of my mind, what and and I'm not going to say that the that stories didn't come, ideas didn't come out. about, why don't you go do something on Texas? Well, why might that? Where did that idea pop up in his head? You know, so it's hard to, to divorce, particularly in this sport. And I've always said when you you know where you went to school influences everything that happens in your life, and if you are an mm-hmm. uh, Auburn grad and, 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 the, and the job you're trying to get is owned by a company, of uh, an Alabama grad, what are your chances of getting that job, uh, and it might impact it. And these are the kind of nuances of that I think inflict, not inflict, but permeate college football specifically because I, it's I such would a, agree yeah.
3: completely, and I can, I can give you a great example. I'm covering the 1986 Orange Bowl, Penn State against Oklahoma. It was the Penn State team that got to that stage a year early by a lot of estimates. The next year wound up beating Miami in the Fiesta. Uh, for much of the first half, Penn State is playing against a true freshman quarterback. As we speak, the only one to ever win a national championship, Jamel Holloway, who... Ha- who replaced Troy Aikman when Aikman got hurt. And now they, junk, Miami, yeah. they junk the pro set, Holyway is back with the option, and they're doing all this great stuff. In the first half, for the first time, he began to look like a freshman because Penn State is throwing the kitchen sink at this kid. And so my running reflects the fact that Penn State, given X number of days to prepare, was doing all these things to disrupt what had been a dominant option game. Well, Oklahoma winds up taking control in the second half and winning. I get back to the office and I get this lovely complimentary note on my running, which for those of you that don't know the jargon, I mean, that's the story that you do on the fly during the game that you never want to see again once you do something else that replaces it. Like, the, the bosses never pay attention to your running. Right. And I get this lovely note about how, you know, how insightful my running was. So well, I find out, like, a year and a half later, the guy that wrote the note was a Penn State guy, <laughs> uh, And he course. was reading, yeah, well, we lost the game, but we screwed up Holyway for a half. What exactly. I do think that kind of institutional memory... Brings to it, like if Georgia wins on Monday night, Tony will have things tumbling out of his brain that that most of us would take an hour or two yeah. to have to look up. And and if you if you don't wear it on your sleeve, the way a lot of I think that's more of a broadcast thing now than a print thing. Yeah. People wearing their affiliation on their sleeve, it, it can be a great tool. I mean, I grew up five miles from Shea Stadium, and when the Mets won the 1986 World Series and they announced after game seven that Ray Knight is the MVP of the World Series, and about 20 minutes after they make the announcement, it suddenly hits me, I, I, why didn't I think of this? A Met third baseman just became the MVP of the World Series? Third base historically has been a black hole for that organization, I think the media guide still has a list of however many third basemen yeah. have played. Well, if if I had grown up in you know fill in the blank town west of the Hudson River, I might have realized that after a while, but it, it wouldn't have come to me naturally. I wasn't necessarily rooting for the Mets to win the World Series. I mean, uh, my assignment after Game Seven was the Met clubhouse, and if. After game six, if Buckner makes that play, sorry, sorry about that. If <laughs> Buckner makes that play, I'm going to the Met hey, Clubhouse no matter care. what. Oh,
0: you care.
2: So,
3: I mean, I think yeah. it can help, but uh, the fact that so many people almost market it as part of their brand, which is a name, I mean, a word that I yeah. hate. I'll give you a great example of somebody that doesn't. When I was at Penn State, Chris Fowler came to speak the day before the spring game. He grew up in State College. Really? And you and he he rarely if ever talks about right. this on the air. He was living in Rockford, Illinois. He was roughly junior high age. His father gets hired at Penn State. And he's thinking like what am I going to pay attention to? Like no more Bulls, no more Bears. And he and his father would go to Penn State football games and that was the beginning of his attachment to college wow. football and he told the story that day but because he doesn't wear it on his sleeve you don't I mean if he, when he was doing the the Rose Bowl last year you you didn't never had a question for a second if he had any bias in that game and so it yeah. it still can be done yeah. well that way um
0: let's Move on to uh, another subject, and uh, Malcolm, you have followed and chronicled over your years with the New York Times, and then as part of the Night Night Chair program. So I, I think you've had a pretty good handle on the state of co- uh, collegiate athletics, what's happened, where it's going, and, and what do you make of where we are right now today? I mean, in 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 in, in, in the college football setting with the fourteen playoff, um, and just not only the money that is generating and what it's doing to coaching salaries and and what schools are paying for buyouts to get rid of coaches are we losing some this is a pretty rhetorical but how far off the rails are are we are or is this going to get and what do you think where do you think it's going
3: well the money's scary mm-hmm. and and just when you think okay this is the last threshold like the golden goose can't get any bigger than it is no, Jimbo Fisher signs for seventy-five million. After I a mean, th-
0: uh, losing
3: season for him. I mean, the mean, money the, the, around the enterprise is staggering. I mean, I remember writing at the start of a season in the mid to late '80s about Saturday afternoon being in crisis financially, and and it was—I'll tell you when it was. It was when Homer Rice conceived the idea. Of having individual home games sponsored. I mean, the the no the, the the North Carolina game would be sponsored by fill in the blank X, and the Wake game would be sponsored by another company. And I mean, you would have thought he had spray painted the Vatican, or I mean, that it, I mean, it was this horrible sellout thing. Well, I mean, now the NCAA has an official hamburger which isn 't White Castle, which is probably the thing that bothers me the most as a as an Indianapolis area resident, so I mean I mean now, you know, i, I don 't believe in professionalizing the product. I do believe there are a lot more things that the students can have done for them. I mean, our daughter is at the University of Oklahoma because they offered a package that exceeded by a lot any place else that she was in on. And She's was not because, a tailback. And that was because of, of sports? She No, she became a National Merit Scholar and Oklahoma is one of several places, Alabama is another, that targets National Merit Scholars. So Oklahoma has more National Merit Scholars than any institution in the country. And they do it by making you an offer you can't receive. Well, she had a technology stipend, she had a, a semester abroad stipend, I mean, there are stipends that you can do that way for athletes. And not just the so-called revenue-producing athletes. I mean, you can create stipends with all of this money that's coming in for the field hockey goalkeeper, too. I mean, there are things that can be done without making them employees that are taxed and getting into all that. Right. Yeah, go ahead. And I mean, I, also name and likeness. Well,
1: you mentioned the National Merit Scholars, Malcolm, in Alabama. Alabama in the last ten years has doubled the number of National Merit Scholars going to the University of Alabama, and they did it with football money.
0: Yeah, that's a positive. My question is: is you know, I used to always we've talked about. It used to be, I thought that the scholarship was a pretty good price trade-off for. What you get. I mean, at a lot of schools, it's worth a half, quarter of a million, half a million dollars. But now, when the commissioners are making four million and the strength coaches are making 200000 a year, at what point does the student athlete say? And we've always seen percling, perkings of uh, eruptions of Northwestern that, hey, you know, if 10 players decided to tomorrow, we're, st- we're not playing Monday night unless we get, you know, is this gonna- Could that ever happen?
3: I thought the Fab Five would be the most likely. Yeah, if that group yeah. had been together for one more year, that would have been the have group to it do it. When, when Jay Billis came to speak to us nearly five years ago, he said the 86 Duke team that reached the, cha- the championship game against Louisville was approached to take some kind of action, and it and it never got very far. And I asked him, who would have been the one to bring that news to Mike, and what do you think he would have said? And I think Jay's answer was, I would have been the guy, and he probably would have said, I'm in full support, but can we do it next year? <laughs> <laughs> the, the next
0: layer of this, though, I saw reports this week that, you know, in a, an 18 playoff could bring as much as $10 billion to the table. You know, there's already talk about it you're talking about the Fab Five, the money they were talking about 20-some years ago, not even comparable to what we're looking at today.
3: Um, Well, and and do you know how much apparel the Fab Five sold indirectly by the whole shorts Mm. thing? It changed everything, yeah. I I, I mean, I can remember if at the start of each season when I was living in State College, if it wasn't clear who the quarterback was going to be, there was like this futures market going on in the windows of the stores on College Avenue based on who they thought the starting quarterback was going to be. Like one would have a number 17 jerseys in the window, and the other would have number 7 jerseys in the window. It's like they're, they're placing their bet. Well, we know they don't have names on the back, but we know why people are buying them. So why can't we just you know give them a piece? You can put it in escrow until they get their degree, like, make it more honest than it is now. I mean, you, it's not a coincidence that specific jersey numbers are being sold in specific communities. I remember in the in the mid-90s at UConn, this is when the NCAA was big in the cost-cutting uh, initiatives, and they had reduced the amount of money in the per diem that athletes would get when the dorms were closed during winter break. And the Connecticut guys were staying in some not very attractive motel close to the campus. And this is when Nike was first starting those, whatever they call those special jerseys, the the relationships right. they would have with certain schools. And I figured out that for Ray Allen, to buy the brand-new Nike number 34 jersey and the new design shorts, he would have to go without eating for four full days and a part of a fifth to buy the uniform that the university is making money off of because he's Ray Allen.
0: Yeah, when Stanford denies that seven is John Elway, (laughs) that's just a number. You know, five at USC, that's not Reggie Bush. That's Mm. any number... Of people, but of course, of course, Mal- Mal-
2: Malcolm uh, took it to another degree with jerseys because former basketball coach at UConn, uh, Malcolm had, bought a, had a jersey which he wore. It was, was a, a T-shirt. T-shirt, <laughs> a T-shirt. Okay, a T-shirt <laughs> under uh, of a certain basketball player, and he showed Coach Jim Calhoun it. You know, it was it was a women's basketball from, from the from the From the Calhoun. Philadelphia Final Nine. Four, right, that right,
3: was. Right. Given to me off the record, by the way. Thanks for, uh, for relaying <laughs> we, that. Yeah. We, can edit,
0: we can edit that out. Yes. Uh, uh, do, you have a, do you have a real question for Malcolm, Jersey guy? Yeah, there's so a real question. You talk,
2: you, talk, you talk about all all that is, is, fi- is fine, but what is lost in the translation is, is to pay football players, then you got to play uh, soccer players, volleyball players. And that's where the schools say, okay, we can how do you how much do they get and and, and then what do you do with it? Well, and say,
0: Ten billion dollars might well, cost
2: understand that. But 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 then you go you can have someone who argues that the, that the girls volleyball player at Tulane deserves more than they're getting. So how, who makes that decision? And I mean Well, it, it, the,
3: the, there's this thing called federal law that's already made that. the decision. It's a, compli- yeah. it's a
2: complicated process and and, and I I, I I think what you see, you see now. I think you see a trickle down effect from, from the athletes, but of the players who want to play in bowl games. That's the first fire in in, a, in a players' evolution of sorts, where they're sort of testing the orders to see what they can do, what they can't do, and if that picks up speed, which I think it will be. Every year you're going to see less and less players playing in less important games. Then you might see, okay, well we did do that. Why why don't we get paid to wear jerseys? we well, give us more for for that. So I think it's maybe we're baby steps.
1: Well, the the way. Some people want to get around the Title IX issue is to do what Malcolm just said, is to give the players who earn a piece of it, in other words, make it market-driven. All right? If they buy your jersey, you get a cut of the proceeds. Right. And, and if the volleyball player, if they buy her jersey, she gets a part. But it's strictly that being... That will
2: never fly. It, yeah, well, but, it, it
4: but also, and Mike Krzyzewski... Well, it's, 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 so.
1: women,
2: it's the Olympic model. Uh, yeah
4: I, years, years yeah. ago mike shevsky brought up how do you get how do you you know address that and his thought was maybe they should have a, a system where the athletes get paid by their uh public appearances, you know, if they do an interview, you know, and a lot of coaches get paid that way. I mean, you see yeah. football coaches, a big chunk can of warm. I mean, it, can it would be tricky to oh, do. If,
0: if the left tackle doesn't <coughs> block for ba- Baker Mayfield, he gets knocked out for the season. I mean, the left tackle is going to say, wait a minute, he won the Heisman because, because we didn't allow a sack this year. Where's our cut of his jersey? Well, but then you could,
4: you could take it another level and say, all right, we're going to pool all of the, the media appearance money for the football team.
0: And Baker Mayfield you know. says, well, that's my money. I'm the one that...
4: <laughs> well, I know, but, I, I, a... but, but you know, the, 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 pro- the progression of all of this that we're talking about is if you go back 100 years, baseball players were, like, you know, indentured servants and they they made this progression and now they make mega millions and i think we'll, we'll see that go in in this direction too
3: once upon a time the olympic movement was by far the most strict when it came to the sanctity of amateurism jim thorpe had a medal taken right. away because he got paid for ba- playing baseball i mean remember the i don't know whether it was one year or two years where the boston marathon held out and wasn't going to offer prize money when when marathons like London and New York and Chicago were, or, uh, and guess what happened? Money went, no, the the star power vanished, and the Boston Marathon decided that they were going to give out prize money, and it's still a great event. You know what's going to trigger it is if if if
2: what comes to pass is there is an eighteen playoff, and, and, and that whatever that billion dollar payoff is 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 available, mm-hmm. well then maybe the schools will break down and said, okay, we have that extra income now we can afford to do this. Maybe that will trigger. Something else that is good for the for the student athletes, Maybe because they have so much money and they can't and they can't cry poverty when there's a contract that says we're going to pay you a hundred million, hundred billion, do- whatever, twenty billion dollars. I don't know what the number is. Ten billion dollars. Ten ten billion dollars to have a playoff system, and each school gets gets forty million dollars a year just off the top of them, without even thinking. Well, maybe then then it'll starts it filter down. All I don't right,
0: know. All right, professor, eighteen playoff. I mean, <laughs> are, are you? Four? what how do you how do you stand on the on the floor I, if you I, go to eight and then 16 and then we have the NCAA tournament in ten years
3: how's this, what, what I I think four is plenty for a number of reasons one logistically so Central and, and Florida. having well Central Florida doesn't think it's plenty well, State. I I understand that but the, the here's the difference the 69th Basketball team is not capable of winning a national right. championship. But, the f- number, but five the f- is. number five is, and number nine is, and, and you on a given year you might be able to make a case that number seventeen is. So I mean, to me, the, the the feeling I've had all along is this is not a junior varsity National Football League. And from I mean, having been on a campus that cares about football, to know uh, not. IUPUI, by the way, where, where the T-shirts say "undefeated since 1969." <laughs> I thought I'd point that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, having been at Penn State and seeing how much just everything around the program filters out to every corner of the university, if you're playing a quarterfinal game in the middle of December when people are supposed to be getting ready for finals, it dis- it would disrupt the whole operation. Even if you were playing campus sites. And 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 the other thing is, how can we, in good conscience, talk about CTE and all that stuff and then say, you know, go play another high-pressure game on top of a conference championship game, on top of the extra regular season game that they approved what, who, 10 years ago or whatever it was.
2: Who suggested playing a quarter round on campus sites this morning? You were in you were, you the conversation.
3: I'm trying to remember. Right? Bill Hancock. Okay. No, I I don't I don't think he was so endorsing was the, it. No, he wasn't. Well, you would have to said, play him on campus. That's there. a solution. Yeah.
2: He says, you have to play a quarterfile run on, on campus sites. That's the but only it, way it'll but work. You know, but but know when, when would
3: you do it?
2: December 20th. It's way, a deal Saturday breaker
4: to work. me. I, mean, I um, like To you just, it is,
2: but Bill Hancock but, said that's the but, way to do it. But Malcolm
4: and I talked about this the other uh, day. I think it's a deal breaker for universities, too, because you've got final exams right then. I mean, that... Yeah, but you know what? I, until you can figure out, they need to convince those people I to know, play it. You take four games on New Year's Day, and then you play a Final Four. I, I don't, that that December it's thing. It's the you,
2: same presidents who were against the playoffs because of extending, are now yeah. endorsing. But it's you not, convince it. them no, to play it later.
4: To play games in the middle of December on campus, I
0: which one team? It, it took years to get the BCS system because of the fight. Then it took years. Well, we, can, we can't expand
2: beyond it, two. And, now and, we're at
4: four. Bill told us what the television contract. I know. He but, told but, us last year. But today
2: it, he said, suge- Today he said, he "said it." The only solution to, for an empty playoff is to play quarter the his, campus rounds. What nights. was his next
0: sentence? Saying that that's the reason why we're, it's not going to happen?
2: No, we, we. You know,
0: I think that's probably what he meant. Right? I, I and, and believe Dave, well,
2: that's, that's what he,
3: part, part, he meant. Right? right. Yes.
0: Well, and that's and why well, we're not going to do it. Listen, yeah. college football's
1: got a yeah, yeah, UCF notwithstanding, college football is a great thing. And, and when I when I speak, people say they ask me about it. I said, "He said, but Tony, there are five conferences and four teams." And I go, "Yeah, exactly. That's what it's supposed to be. We, we're supposed to speculate and talk about college football <laughs> twenty four hours a day on who's going to get left out, and the uh, the argument of of." Alabama, Ohio State is a lot sexier than, you know, Auburn or UCF at eight and nine. I I, I just think it's been it's been good for the game. Now, having said all that, it will happen. It will happen because oh <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, absolutely absolutely. Well, it's all just but it's a question of timing. Remember the BCS lasted sixteen years and people were writing books about how what a horrible thing it was. And it lasted sixteen years and it turned college football. Into an incredible, I mean, well, well
4: and, and so Bill, Bill I'm said, saying
1: that this. What I'm, my point is, there's going to be a timing issue to this, and four years in is not.
2: Well, the Bill time. said one of the reasons for the 12 year contract was to avoid having that as, as a as a real topic. They exactly. said exactly. They wanted 12 years to. They knew that was going to happen, so they said we have a 12 year contract. We can't talk about it until 2028.
0: Well, you know, or this it is. this year, half. The champions of the, uh, of the top six leagues didn't make it. If you consider UCF mm-hmm. to be, was the champion of the sixth best conference in an undefeated perfect season, well, then, half the half the half the champions didn't get in. Pac-12, Big Ten, American Athletic, half didn't get in. Don't, That's don't lose the to
1: Iowa 55-24. Well, yeah. Correct, correct. UCF, play, do? play a, a Power 5 conference team or two. That's what Houston did last year. They, they put themselves in a position to, to do it last year. You know, Big
0: Twelve, Pac twelve. Well, USC played, you know, USC played one of the best schedules in the country. They played Texas, Notre Dame, but that wasn't good enough. I mean, and I don't think they were good enough. But uh, you know, it's just it, 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 I'm just saying. if you look for the argument of why everyone, everyone, we should there should be expansions. You say, well, half the half the champions didn't get in this year, and and people want to see. And the problem is, is when a UCF goes and beats Auburn. Uh, in, in the Peach Bowl, well, you can yeah, see all sorts of reasons. You can't make you catch the fact. The right. committee has
1: to make their decision based on
0: what know, they have. I know, but in front I'm saying of. that only fuels it. It's like uh, oh, yeah. uh, it fuels the fire, and that's why UCF can raise a championship banner, which I think is.
3: Uh, and and I'm, I'm all for them having a party. They earned it. I'm sorry they're losing their coach. As, as somebody that put his family's first check in the mail, about five days before Digger Phelps left Fordham to go to Notre Dame. I feel their pain. But but I'll tell you a far greater injustice than UCF, and this has to do with timing and growing pains of an event. In 1974, when NC State beats Maryland in the ACC final in one of the all-time college basketball games ever, and Maryland does not get an NCAA bid because right. each league only yeah, got one, one bid. bid, that was an enormous that, injustice because Maryland was capable of winning a national championship. I don't think UCF is capable of winning two games in the playoff I, I, I at this level. I will note that situation was rectified. Well, it was. It was. But, but basketball teams, right? basketball, yeah. is a, huh? basketball is it's a coming. tournament Tony's sport. Tony's right. Huh? Tony I didn't
2: never said Tony was wrong. Well,
0: oh, yes, you yeah, have many
3: times. No, <laughs> it's it's inevitable. Right.
0: This is the what's the record for a podcast? Fifty-something. I think we're, uh, of course, Malcolm. If we if you have, can stretch us to two minutes, I think we can get the record. No, <laughs> anybody else have anything else? Uh, any, I think we. Who's going to win the game? Oh. SEC team. Yeah, mm. I'm just glad that the the SEC is that these teams are playing. You know, they didn't meet all year. No. Georgia and Alabama, Alabama have not more. met a lot over the years. It's hard not to meet before the, the national title game if you're in the same conference. It's hard to do. But they did. Late, yeah.
3: late in the first half of the Rose Bowl, when Kirby Smart is coaching his buns off, you remember that shot on, yeah. on the sideline? And, and all I could, I, I turned to the two students I was working with. And I said, this might sound completely ridiculous in two hours, but he may be holding this thing together just enough. And all I could think of, and it's a completely different context, but when the Giants beat the Bills in that Super Bowl, and there was that play when Jeff Hostetler avoided the fumble in the end zone and took the safety when Bruce Smith is pawing at his wrist with the ball in yeah. it, and and that saved the game. Like when the whole thing is coming apart, I that think was, there's something about the home team in this game, and it is a home team. I know it's a short ride to Tuscaloosa. Were you with that game? Yes. I was Fars too. Up, I'm telling you.
0: I <laughs> was with <Yeah>. that. <goes> <laughs> <up. laughs> Scott Norwood game? I was Remember there too. He's I was there. Olympics? But you right yeah. you're right about that game last week, and it was that squib kick after... After was they the scored killer. with six seconds left. Was the killer. And, and Georgia got three points out of it after, they, right. ap, after Oklahoma scores with six seconds left. And hope. And hope. Are you there, Malcolm?
3: What? At the Rose Bowl, See, Bowl. He was at the Rose Bowl. He's everywhere. <laughs> there
0: you go. Okay, well, let, let's, uh, let's end this, and we'll, uh, we thank our, our fine guest, Malcolm. Well,
3: thank you for and, having me, and I really appreciate the flat screen that you're going to be sending that's that's part of well, the, as you can the see, deal.
0: because you're here, you see the production that goes into this. It's pretty impressive. The audio, the sound but the breakdown of the system will take all afternoon. Yeah, we'll have to, you know, we'll be in post-production. The subscribers
3: should know that it's a very good investment. There you go. So we will see you all probably tomorrow with Hold another right. another guest. We are this
0: is like Merv Griffin's couch. <laughs> this is like the Kramer Cram- Show. This <laughs> is <show. laughs> the Kramer <Right>. Show. <laughs> all right. We'll see you, everyone tomorrow. Thank you.